Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Now, of course, if you are just tuning into this, expecting to see the first episode of the DNF1 retro series where we analyze and review previous races from F1's past, I'm sorry to say that we are not doing it today on Monday, as and when we released this episode, um, that has been pushed back to Friday. And simply because when we were recording it, we weren't really happy with how it was going out. And we don't really want to release episodes that are subpar in terms of quality you guys deserve better than that and we weren't happy with it at all so we pushed that back to friday we're going to do a fresh recording in the week so hopefully it will be nice and ready for you guys and just as a teaser we're going to be covering the 2008 brazilian grand prix for those of you that will remember that was the race where lewis hamilton sealed his first formula one world championship seems like many many years ago now that he has seven but of course we will be looking at how lewis clinched his first and i'm very much looking forward to you guys seeing us analyze and review that race a great piece of nostalgia as always joined here by the wonderful mr courtney pine courtney how are you doing so far this weekend are you okay hello everyone yeah it's just a Another day during lockdown, every day feels the same. I don't know about you, Adam, but um, I lose track of what day it is, to be honest. There's actually been times where my phone, I've like, with most phones these days, obviously, you have them set on certain days. And I've almost forgot to pull it on the right days because I'm actually losing track of what day it is. So, <laughs> need to sort that out. But apart from that, going well, taking off day by day. I hope everyone's doing well, you know. Everyone has their own struggles. But yeah, as I say every week, keep your head high. And that includes you, Adam. I hope this podcast is helping you as much as it's helping me, mate. It certainly is. And it's good to hear that obviously things, or spirits, I should say, are being lifted by this. And hopefully it has that effect for other people as well. But obviously, let us know how you're doing, guys. Hopefully everyone is okay at the moment during these more difficult times than we would have liked, especially for the start of 2021. It seems like it's never ending at the moment. But um. Nonetheless, let's get into the meat of this episode. Of course, in this episode, normal service on the DNF1 F1 podcast, we are going to be talking about the big news regarding the calendar situation. Now, of course, for those of you that are aware of what's been going on, there's obviously been an increase in COVID cases across the world. This second variation of the virus, which seems to be a lot more infectious than the previous one, has taken its toll and caused a lot of chaos in terms of the logistics of the Formula One world in particular. And the first big casualty of that, Courtney, the Australian Grand Prix, the Grand Prix, the curtain raiser for Formula One for so many years now, since 1997. And it was the first time uh, that we hadn't had an Australian Grand Prix in 2020. It looks like that that is going to be in jeopardy again. However, it does seem that we're going to have an Australian Grand Prix much later than we originally anticipated. But first things first, call me after 
the absolute chaos that COVID caused last year for the Formula One Canada. We had to wait until around June, July time before we started having races. And then, of course, there was the mammoth effort from everybody involved to get a 23, a, 20, a 17 race Canada, I should say, in 23 weeks. An incredible effort by everybody and a real success story uh, in a very otherwise difficult year. How hard and how difficult must it be for fans hearing the news that the Formula One Canada could yet again be disrupted in quite a huge way owing to this new variant of COVID? Yeah, there's a real case of deja vu at the moment. And um, I think a lot of people will be thinking, no, let's, let's, not, let's not be going down this road again because we had to wait quite a few months till the start of last season. And it's becoming well known that for sports fans in particular, big sporting events like Formula One races do actually help our mental health. It gives us something to talk about. It gives us a focus, particularly people like us that don't do a podcast because as we saw last season, it was bloody difficult to find things to talk about when there isn't um, any sport going on. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a bit more hopeful this year because we're a bit more prepared for it because because last, last year, we didn't really know much about the virus. As scary as this new variant is, Lessons will have been learned, and I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that yeah, they'll be a lot more prepared this season. And I am deep down, to be honest, hoping that we see the return of some of these European circuits that we saw last season for quite a while. Yeah, it's just a shame for some of the countries in different continents that missed out last season. But on a selfish level, I don't know how the rest of you feel. I. I would like to see some of these old European circuits arrive again because last season was a classic, borrowing the dominance of Mercedes. Last season was a was a classic, and I don't think many people complained about the circuits that we saw last season. Absolutely. It provided so much entertainment, and it was really great uh, for veteran F1 fans. Perhaps we fit into that category now following the sport for over 20 years. You know, it we used to see so many European races on the calendar. It really was, in some ways, a European championship as much as a world championship. And it was really refreshing from a nostalgia perspective to see so many old races on the calendar. Imola being an example. Turkey, of course, provided the biggest entertainment of the season. What a race that was under the conditions. Of course, Portimao definitely did not disappoint. And Magello also contributed a lot of entertainment for you know, for the circuits. Well, so there was a lot of success stories across the European circuits uh, last season. This season, of course, they anticipated a more traditional calendar. Things seemed to improve in terms of COVID or at least F1's ability to tackle it or at least handle it with the greatest of care, despite the fact in most races we weren't able to have fans, which was a shame. And that will probably continue for, for a while yet. But of course, that is the alternative plan. Uh, the European leg of the season may be increased or moved forward to facilitate the current situation regarding COVID or at least containing it as and where we can. You know, travel restrictions have been a real big thing. And, um, you know, going to Australia, of course, one of the better countries in terms of how they've handled this virus, Australia and New Zealand in particular, have been fantastic. And I think the reason for that, not to get too political on this, is because of the no tolerance policy in terms of their travel restrictions they've been completely um hard-handed or heavy-handed i should say in terms of making sure that uh the virus is contained uh, within their own country not spread across the world but in turn the virus does not enter their own country through uh people traveling into it 
the Victorian government uh, regulations at this point in time are preventing most people from entering the country, unless, of course, they are Australian or New Zealand. So in which case, if we were to have an Australian Grand Prix in March, as we'd expected originally, the favourite would clearly have been Daniel Ricciardo and McLaren, given he's the only Australian on the grid. So um, that would be an ideal start, wouldn't it, to his McLaren career? Absolutely. I, I certainly wouldn't complain seeing Danny Rick win, but I like you would rather him see him beat the other 19 cars on the track rather than at the airport terminal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I digress on that one. It looks like the other drivers might need to invest in some Australian passports. So. But um, that being said, uh, it's not all doom and gloom for Australia. I know fans have been looking forward to seeing it. I've been looking forward to seeing Albert Park again. It's one of my favourite tracks. Uh, and, it's a good know, circuit. A very good circuit. You know, it's not the one that provides the most entertainment in terms of overtaking, but it still presents its own challenge. Very unique to a lot of circuits on the calendar. And it's still a great race to have and behold. And the crowd there are fantastic. The Aussie fans are passionate as anybody when it comes to sport. And I think they would have loved to have seen their hero, Daniel Ricciardo, in the McLaren for the first time. They will still get that opportunity by the looks of it. Um, as the proposal is to perhaps move the Australian Grand Prix to November. There is a slot in the calendar just before the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix and the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. They may have to push them back a week, but there is a slot around about November time. I believe that's probably where they're going slot to slot it in. And um, hopefully they'll be able to facilitate that because I think it's important to have an Australian Grand Prix on the calendar. And I think missing it for a second year would be quite devastating and uh, it, it would be yeah. the first time that we haven't had the Australian Grand Prix as a curtain raiser since 96 back in uh, Adelaide since it um, you know it's been a long time since they moved it towards the back end of the season I know Bahrain hosted the curtain raiser a few times in F1's past in the last 10-15 years but it's always felt like the start of something fresh uh, yeah you know from we are start we are missing out we are missing out on a mini formula one tradition at the moment so let's hope that changes very soon absolutely and uh, but of course as i mentioned already the knock-on effect would be that the bahrain grand prix will be the opening race of the season as i said already it has hosted the opening race in a few seasons gone by it traditionally used to be the uh, opening race in the f2 calendar before they moved it towards the back end of the season last year uh, as they did this season of course and i'm not gonna lie corny I, I wouldn't mind going back to bahrain after the action that it provided last season if the races mm -hmm. there are anything like they were last season we're certainly in for a treat um not sure we're going to get a sakir grand prix either but it, it will be nice for the teams and of course with that pre-season testing will be moved to bahrain instead of the catalonia i'll be honest it, it it seemed like a move that was going to happen for some time, even before COVID was a factor, Courtney. Do you think the teams would be happy that they're going to be going to a nice warm and testing climate that Bahrain offers in comparison to Spain around about this time of year? It's as cold as it is in Britain. Yeah, there's no risk of, uh, of snow in Bahrain. You know, we've seen a couple of times in pre-season testing, so they won't have to worry about that. And it's, it'll be more of an accurate sort of indication of where the teams start because if you think if they're going to be racing, if they're going to be testing at the circuit where the race starts, we're going to have a bit more of an indication of where teams are. I know there's always a load of sandbagging going on, but compared to most seasons, we should have more data, shall we say, to give us a good idea of where they are. And also from a logistics point of view, I think a lot of teams would favour that because, you know, they, they don't really want to be travelling from different continents because at the moment with, with the way of with the way this virus is going and how infectious of it, with how infectious it is, it just seems that every movement is a risk. So they're going to want to be limiting risks. 
So mm. I think not only would so not only would the teams be happy from a performance perspective, they'd also be happy from a logistics perspective as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, of course, we're not going to get snow in Bahrain. Uh, it's amazing when I think about a couple of years ago when we had snow at Spain during testing. And the first day was completely, I, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 20, 2017, was it? Where it was snow on the first day and none of the teams could do any running uh, yeah, because there of was. all of that? Yeah, there was. It was madness. Like, and I think it was at that point where people said, "Look, this is getting ridiculous now because the cars are not going to be running in colder temperatures. <laughs> so why are we testing them in colder temperatures?" It was absolutely. I know baffling. what I them. <laughs> We're gonna go off on a mini tangent. I reckon they should have Formula One races in London because we never get snow in London. We've had snow in Spain this week, snow in Texas. I make Wesley put put a picture on his Instagram where he lives in Texas and he's snowing it. We don't even get any in London. I know it looks so fantastic. I they might as well bring a race in London. I know. So everywhere else is getting it but London. So they might as well do races here. There's no chance of it snowing here. Yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, that's life, I guess. We. It's funny. There's there's an old saying with uh, British people, especially Londoners as well, is that we can handle almost any climate as long as it doesn't last for longer than two days. Otherwise, we just moan about it. <laughs> it's true. And I think that that is yeah, the that's case. How it goes. You know, that is yeah, definitely with us. But um, obviously, get back to the Formula One. Of course, you know, pre-season testing, there is a bit of dispute over the dates for it because now that the, uh, the season is going to start towards the end of March in Bahrain, pre-season testing was meant to be on the 2nd and 4th of March, which is a bit later than usual. But under the circumstances, they've decided to have it there. Um, that could prove to be a bit of an issue because what you end up having is a situation where pre-season testing, uh, bear in mind, it's going to be very short this year. I think it's only a few days. And... Um, yeah, I think I'm right. It's only about a few days this this year. And having it so early and with a three or four week gap before the season starts creates two issues. One, of course, the teams will enjoy it, is the fact that they'll be able to learn a lot from that testing period and have more time to rectify things before the season starts. The second thing is because the teams will have to manoeuvre uh, their parts back and forth across the factories in Europe to put any sort of updates that they might have had in the pipeline that they didn't want to put out in testing or if there were any issues with the parts that were damaged after sending them back it might be more straightforward or logical for them to move testing perhaps two weeks later than they originally anticipated so they don't end up in a situation where personnel or parts need to be maneuvered in and out of the country it may come to a point where in order to abide by quarantine rules in that area they may not get that luxury. They may just have to travel to Bahrain and stay there for a month. So we'll have to wait and see what happens on that one because that is quite uh, an, an interesting subject that the teams are debating on. But at this point, we're not sure. But um, moving from Australia, of course, you know how disappointed that is to not have it in March. Hopefully we will have it in November. But of course, when the news comes, we'll find out. Nothing has been confirmed. But um, the Chinese Grand Prix, Another race which is affected by COVID. Of course, the first one that was postponed last year for obvious reasons where the virus, um, obviously the outbreak originally started in Wuhan, China. So it, naturally that race was going to be the first one to be postponed before we had the huge influx of races being postponed for 2020. This race looks like it's going to be postponed again, may even be cancelled altogether. And that's a huge shame because Chinese fans in recent years more and more of them have been coming to the F1 races in Shanghai. It's not the easiest place to go to an F1 race, despite, despite Shanghai being a very large city. It's not the easiest place to get to. But the fanfare has really increased a lot in recent years. And these guys, they love their Formula One. And it would be such a shame 
for the Chinese fans to not be able to see another race at the Shanghai International Circuit. A circuit, again, it has provided a lot of entertainment in previous years. may not be mm. on the top of people's favourite list, unless you're a, a Matt Gallagher driving on F1 2010, setting world record fastest laps on the game. But if he gets, if you get the reference, then, you know, good on you. But... Um, I liked, I liked yeah. China 2018, though. I did like China yes. 2018. That was the one where yeah. Danny Rick won because Vettel, mm. Vettel was dominating and then didn't he, didn't he crash with Verstappen and spun? And then Verstappen, Danny yeah, Rick Verstappen won. crashed into right? him, yeah. That's right. That was the one with that, the safety that, car. That was yeah. a modern-day classic. Yeah, Modern-day was... classic, that one. So, yeah, you're right. Mm, that was the one with the safety car where um come out. The Red Bulls, he caught them at the right time, wasn't it? Because the Mercedes and the Ferraris both passed... Um, the safe the pit lane when the safety car was called and then Ricardo and Verstappen pitted in for fresh tires. Both of them were going to cipher through the field, but uh, Ricardo managed to get ahead of Verstappen because Verstappen made a mistake and then Verstappen drove into the side of Vettel, took them both out, and then Ricardo had a free run at the likes of Hamilton, Raikkonen, and Bottas to uh, win the race, and it was a really good race. But uh, unfortunately, as I said already, China. Looks like it's going to be postponed. We haven't got confirmation yet. It may be cancelled altogether. We're not sure, but we'll have to wait and see. They are trying to negotiate a similar situation to the Australian Grand Prix to try and move it um, to later on in the season. But I'll be honest with you, Courtney. I I don't know if it's going to be possible to move that race and Australia. I feel like no. Australia is going to get the nod on that one. Um, but they will try, and I'm sure if F1 can, they will try to uh, mess around with the calendar, if you like, or re redo it i suppose redraft it to fit in we may end up with another season as i said already with a lot more european races um a few more races that have been lined up particularly in april is the uh Imola grand prix and also the portimao race because um what you're going to find is we still have that slot in the calendar i think the 25th of april i believe it is where we don't have a grand prix which was meant to be the vietnamese grand prix in hanoi but that's not going ahead we knew that already um, and they hadn't confirmed a replacement. Now, Imola, Portimao, uh, the Al- um, in the Algarve, and also the Turkish Grand Prix were races that were mentioned, as brought into the discussion, as already said. Um, whilst we had no confirmation, we believe that strongly that Imola and the race in Portimao were going to get the nod and put onto the calendar anyway to sort of cover for Australia and also China. And there still is another slot for potentially a Turkish Grand Prix in the final week of April because Portimao is meant to be the 2nd of May. Imola could either be the 11th or the 18th. We'll have to wait and see how that goes. But um, in the event that we got at least two of the three, maybe the third one as well, included in the F1 Canada, how great would that be for the opening leg of the season? I know, but let's, let's just hope the, uh, if they do go back to Turkey, they sort out that dodgy, greasy surface that caused so much chaos last time around. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but they will need to do some, you know, tinkering, I suppose, with the F1 calendar if those races are included, because you've got uh, I I drew this up myself and I was having a look at what the proposed calendar could look like. And this is completely a draft. And this is of my own accord. So don't take this at face value, guys. I have no involvement with drafting the F1 calendar. And I do not. I pity the person that does have to come up with this. But as I've got it is Bahrain on the 28th of March. That would be the opening race of the season. Imola, possibly the 11th or the 18th. If Imola goes to the 11th, um, then they may have room for a Turkish Grand Prix. And I say that's a big if, because Imola, it's a very difficult race logistically to sort of get to to and from. This is why they had the issues last year where they only had two days of practice. Despite the fact the previous race was in Monza, they couldn't really, you know, had problems moving stuff around. 
Um, and then, so you've got Portimao on the 2nd of May, then Barcelona on the 9th, then you've got Monaco the 23rd of May, and then you've got Baku in June. And then you've got Montreal, which is the exception. Again, the Canadian Grand Prix, that could be at risk because of the fact mm. that it's slap bang in the middle of the calendar. And it's quite a strange country to travel to in the European season. So let's assume Montreal gets backdated towards the latter end of the season or postponed. You're going to end up going from Baku to France in Paul Ricard, which will probably be moved forward. Then the Red Bull Ring, then Silverstone, then Hungaroring, then Spa, Zandvoort, Monza, Sochi. That's a huge European leg. Just tighten it up. If you include Turkey, I think that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 European races in a row between April the 11th or 18th, which would be Imola, all the way to Sochi on the 26th of September. That's a huge European leg. And I think to preserve the F1 Championship, or at least some of the latter races outside of Europe, uh, they may get to a point where they will have to decide to just move the European races forward after Bahrain in order to have uh, a good championship and for COVID cases to drop in other countries as well. Yeah, that seems like a good idea because... Fingers crossed, everything goes well with the vaccination programs around the world. We we could, fingers crossed, get to the point come September where you, you go to potentially you know other continents. Obviously, hopefully by that point, things will look a lot better and it'll be a lot easier to to stage races and hopefully by that point have fans back. So yeah, it would make sense, wouldn't it, to start in Europe where you don't have to travel as much and then go to other continents towards. I know you have logistics issues, particularly when it comes to climate with different seasons. But yeah, hopefully it would make sense to start off in Europe and then travel to different continents when hopefully the vaccination programme improves the situation. Hmm. Well, as I said before, in terms of the European leg, you wouldn't have to do too much tinkering around. The only races I mentioned already you'd have to get rid of is Canada and just move it later in the season, probably around where Austin is, because you don't have to travel as much. I mean, F1's goal long term from Liberty Media was to create a 25 race calendar that consists of races going from continent to continent. So you'd have all of your European races in one con- in one period hmm. of the season, your American races, your Asian Oceania yeah. races all of them at different times of the year, but you'd stay within one continent, do all the races there, then go somewhere else and go somewhere else. You wouldn't go to Europe, to America, to Asia, as we do now. I mean, the Montreal race after in between Paul Ricard is, is, is the French race. is just, it's mad, you know, the, going from one continent to the other to, as a complete, it's almost like you look at them, you're like, one of these is not like the others. It's it, that's, that's kind of the reality. So, um, I have to wait and see, but it wouldn't require too much tinkering with, if, if uh, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, to to make this reality. Of course, twenty three races is quite a big ask at this point in time. We're not at twenty five yet, um, but they are trying to structure the calendar so that we can have twenty five races uh, in a few years' time. They genuinely believe that's possible. Um, I think it is, but it will require a lot of effort and will take its toll on a lot of the teams because, you know, they've got 17 races in 23 weeks. It's a, it was a mammoth effort, um, but they managed to do it. And it proved that when push comes to shove, sport, and in this case, F1, everyone did a remarkable job to get the races going. So it's certainly something to ponder on. Um, and it may be required uh, this season if COVID, case, COVID situation doesn't improve. I mean, we won't really know how F1, are, how capable F1 are handling this new variant of COVID until we get to pre-season testing. 
because of course in other sports we're seeing uh, a lot of athletes coming down with the covid virus and it's causing some issues particularly in football where some games are being postponed or as we saw the other night in the fa cup between aston villa and liverpool aston villa were, had to resort to sticking out their youth players to play in a cup game against uh, liverpool the best team in the country at the moment so f1 of course last year only had a few cases where drivers got COVID. I think it was basically Lance Stroll and Perez. Um, Hamilton got it at the end of the season. Of course, Norris had it uh, in the winter break. So we won't know how capable F1 are at trying to contain this virus uh, or at least keep it out of the paddock until we get to pre-season testing. It may get to a point where it may just be impossible for them to control with all the moving about and will force them to perhaps delay the season uh, as it did last year. We hope it doesn't come to that, but that could be a possibility, but we're not going to find out until pre-season testing on that one. But um, yeah, I mean, with, sorry, Adam, but with, with the new variant, I suppose the protocols they have to come up with are going to have to be a lot more strict and, it's going to be difficult for the drivers. I don't know if they're going to have to self-isolate for two weeks. They might, they might have to like, travel to Bahrain a lot earlier than they would have hoped for. Maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe need to go to Bahrain a long time before the season starts in order to get some kind of racing. Hmm, absolutely. I, I mean, some drivers go to their training camps in the winter anyway. I know Lando Norris was one driver that went to Dubai. Uh, I, I think there are a few others in particular that do their winter training camps usually locally but given the situation we're in it's probably wiser for them to go to those sorts of places right now makes it easier for them to travel there and if there are any issues then you know they're in the best care out there and could be looked after and the teams can monitor them one thing this will do is and one thing we won't see this year is the sort of um shows that get put on when the teams unveil their new liveries or their new cars um i'm glad I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm not one of those that really cares for it too much, except for Ferraris, because Ferrari always put on this massive show. And as a Ferrari fan, I find nothing more, fr- and as an F1 fan in general, I find it nothing more frustrating than you tune into these events, whether they're live on TV or live online on their websites, and you have to wait. And they always put a time on, like when the event's going to take place, when the car's going to be revealed. And it's like 30, 45 minutes of dancing and videos and people doing speeches this time it's like guys look i love you that your fact you want to put on a show but i really don't care just show me the car that's all i came here to see <laughs> once you show me the car and you talk to the engineer uh, benotto and last year it was seb and leclerc and that you know that great i've seen the car it looks fantastic right i'm logging off i don't want to see all the other stuff in top on top of that mercedes they're no nonsense they invite the press and medium down and then have a few questions. Out comes the car. And it's kind of cool with some lighting and everything else, but they don't go anywhere near. But then they don't go anywhere near as much as Ferrari with all the production and everything else. But I guess that's what makes Ferrari so special. Um, I mean, last year they hosted loads, yeah, they hosted a big event in Milan because it was their seven, uh, sorry, it was their 1,000th Grand Prix season and everything else that come with it. It was just absolutely incredible. But I guess that what makes them what they are. And uh, But this year, we're not going to be seeing any of that, I'd imagine. We might see um, some online reveals, but most of the teams, I imagine, are just going to do their reveals on the day of pre-season testing. Um, I know Ferrari are one of them. 
I don't know if that's because of the COVID situation. I think that's probably more about them trying to spend as much time as possible in the factory because that is a team that definitely needs to get their car right for 2021 and beyond that as well. Um, one thing we should also talk about, Courtney, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Canada already. And let us know, guys, in the comments section, of course, what your thoughts are regarding the F1 Canada. Should they move the European circuits forward? What races would you like to see included on the Canada to uh, step in? for Australia and China whilst we wait. Do you like the idea of Imola and Portimao? Would you like to see Turkey back on the Canada? Uh, let me know other races you'd like to see brought back to the F1 Canada that have been removed in recent times. But um, looking at the COVID situation in general, last year, uh, this was something that kind of got um, forgotten about, if you like, over time. But there was an issue with some of the teams not being able to get access to the facilities because they had to go into shutdown whilst COVID was on the rise at the beginning. One of which Ferrari that lost about four weeks of working time in their factories because they had to take health and safety precautions to make sure that fans, uh, not so much fans, I should say, uh, workers at the factories were not at risk of catching COVID. Because of what's going on in Europe at the moment, travel restrictions and complications in Europe, particularly with Brexit as well. Let's not forget that obviously coming into effect now. Um, are we going to see that paradigm shifted in the other direction now? Because Ferrari, of course, assuming Italy is controlling their, uh, you know, the case is better than British based uh, Britain is, which I imagine it is. Um, I haven't seen the figures, but you know, from what I'm seeing in news in Britain, I imagine that is the case. It could be possible to, believe that there could be a shutdown in certain factories to protect their workers there for the British teams. And this time Ferrari and AlphaTauri in particular will have that advantage going their way. Do you think one, that's a possibility of that happening. And two, if it is, should the FIA or F1 step in to uh, introduce perhaps a break period or a tool down period for everybody so that no teams gain an advantage um, by being based in a separate country in the way Ferrari and AlphaTauri are compared to the remaining eight teams? Well, if this if this is the case, and it that really could affect the competitiveness of the teams, like pretty much where most of them are based in the UK, it would surprise me if that was the case. You would be seeing complaints by the, the British-based teams, you know, you, in, in Formula One, if they feel that they're at the slightest disadvantage, they will lodge complaints. And maybe in the off-season, the news isn't reported as much, but surely, surely, if it was a big issue, you would be getting reports from the from the teams in the UK. Now, if this does, I suppose we'll probably know in the next couple of weeks, because as we get closer to um, testing, they're going to have, if it happens, they're going to have to make complaints very soon. But up to this point, we've seen nothing. So maybe, maybe that's not the case, but I'm sure, um, I'm sure Ferrari would be hoping because they were, they are behind at the moment. I'm sure they won't mind taking this advantage because it, this might, it might give them an opportunity to get closer towards the front if it does make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this and that's why I wanted to bring it up because obviously I was thinking about it, it probably didn't affect Ferrari too much. But given the constraints and the difficulties that they had with their car, and some of the other teams were able to bring quite large upgrades to the first race, because let's not forget, mm. when the first race of the season started um, in June or July, there was a basically a three or four month period where teams that were working on upgrades were able to fast track them uh, without any pressures of you know having to try and get them out for certain races. They were able to do all the work that they had 
um, and then bring June or July level updates to the first race of the season. Whereas teams like Ferrari, for example, weren't afforded that luxury because they basically lost a month's worth of working time. So it put them on the back foot, but put them on the back foot, I should say. And it was only until a few races into the season where we started to see what Ferrari's car was going to turn out to be. Of course, it wasn't great, but this is why Ferrari, it took a bit longer for them to catch up to the midfield. And eventually they did. Um, a bit too little too late but uh it's one of those things that might be important this season because it could be something that happens and it could be a factor in which team comes third i don't expect ferrari to be challenging the red bull and mercedes but i think their target this season will be to overhaul the midfield teams and finish third or the best best of the rest if you like and i think that could be a pivotal factor i think the brexit situation as well i think the brexit situation can't be ignored as I said, we're not going to get political on this, but basically because of what's happened with Brexit now coming into force, um, it's going to make travelling and logistics a lot more complicated for the British-based teams than it already would be. And by proxy, at least in Europe, as far as that's concerned, it won't be any different in other countries around the world, just the European ones. And given that I've already mentioned 14 European races, potentially more than that um, with the races coming in, uh, it could create complications and logistic issues for the British-based teams where Ferrari and AlphaTauri in particular will have the luxury of no restrictions or logistic issues whatsoever caused by Brexit because they're not British-based teams. So it's those factors as well. you know. And, and I'm talking about not necessarily bringing parts over uh, for the races themselves. I'm sure the teams will have the allotted time that they will give themselves to make sure there's no uh, situations where they turn up like Williams did to pre-season testing with half a car. Um, that's not going to happen. But I'm so I'm kind of referring to newer parts, upgrades, bits, development pieces. That sometimes going to making sure they don't go to a race with only one new front wing that only one of the two cars can have, when when both of the cars can have that advantage, where a lot of teams won't necessarily have that luxury. This could be a season where Brexit inadvertently helps Ferrari and AlphaTauri a lot more than it probably should do. And I'm not saying that... I saw I, a little smirk you know, on your face, mate. I'm not going to... smirk on your face Well, there. try not to sound too political. <laughs> it's nice to see that there is an advantage, or at least from my perspective, there's an advantage of it. But um, <laughs> as I say, I'm just speculating, guys. So whether you're for it or against it, look, that's absolutely fine. You know, you're entitled to your opinion. But um, it, it is something that could be a factor for this season in F1, even though we might not pay attention to it because uh, COVID obviously being the big issue and the real issue that needs to be addressed, not necessarily political um, interest. But, you know, these things, they do have an impact. And, um, you know, Ferrari may have factored in. I'd be surprised if Ferrari didn't consider something like that, um, as arbitrary as it is. But there you go. (laughs) That's all the things you've got to think about in Formula One. It's always those small margins where you try and find those incremental improvements as and where you can in order to try and gain that everlasting advantage that Mercedes constantly seem to be having at the moment. But I digress. But um, anyway, uh, Courtney, unless there was anything further you wanted to add to this discussion before we wrap it up. Everything's been covered in great detail as ever, Adam. (laughs) No, well, definitely on your part, I must say, uh, rather than me, but... Good stuff as always. Um, But anyway, guys, of course, as I said already, let us know what you think about the calendar. Let us know uh, which races you'd like to see on the calendar, as I've already said, and uh, your reaction to the Australian Grand Prix potentially being moved towards the end of the season. It will not be happening as the curtain race of this season. So if it does happen, it's going to happen around about October, November time. Let us know what you think about China. 
you know, second race, second season, perhaps we may not have a Chinese Grand Prix. Let us know how you feel about that one. And uh, of course, let us know what you think about the season in general. Let's start getting some predictions in for 2021. It seems at time that everybody and their mothers are doing uh, 2021 predictions. And of course, we will be following suit on that one as well. And we're going to be doing it with a very, very special guest who is very kindly joining us on that episode of the podcast to give us her 2021 predictions. Uh, a girl talks F1, if you know her, uh, Manena, very kindly uh, joining us on that episode. And we will get that one out for you in a few weeks time. Very much looking forward to recording an episode with her to give her great insight on her 2021 predictions, as well as our own at DNF1. And hopefully, Courtney, we might be a little bit more controversial in our predictions as we were last time. I think they were rather um, predictable. I think for a lack of a better way of putting it, I mean, I was completely wrong in terms of who I thought was going to win the championship. You, of course, were right. I was right. Yeah, we're not going to do a react. <laughs> we're not going to do a reaction video because that's another one I've seen loads of people do, and I'm like, it could do that, but it'd be like us watching our, one of our podcasts. Would be hard to because we wasn't recording video podcasts at the time, so it'd be a bit mm. weird. It'd be like audio in the background, and yeah, we're not going to do that this year. Um, we are just going to go straight into the 2021 predictions, but that episode will come out soon. Um, in the meantime, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure to leave it a like, subscribe to the channel, and thank you to everybody that has liked our videos and subscribed to the channel so far to join our ever-growing DNF1 family. You know, so many of you view these videos and we absolutely appreciate it. So please give it a like, subscribe to the channel, and join in all the fun. We've got plenty more coming your way. And of course, as I mentioned already, the DNF1 Retro Episode 1 will be on the podcast on Friday. We are definitely going to make sure that that one is out. And we are going to be talking about the Brazilian Grand Prix in 2008, Lewis Hamilton's first of many shining moments in his career, seeding his first world championship, a memory that Courtney very much is fondly holding on to. <laughs> I myself, looking back on it as a British sports fan, of course, it was a great moment for British sporting. At the time, probably one of the uh, less than savoury moments as a Ferrari fan at the time, but uh, still fun to reminisce and talk about nonetheless. But uh, Courtney, of course, thank you for joining me and co-hosting another great episode of this DNF1 F1 podcast. Yeah, another enjoyable episode, Adam. And uh, thanks for leaving me with the uh, the thought of the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, as you can tell, I can't get a smile off my face. Always got to leave on a high note, I suppose. <laughs> but until then, guys, <laughs> thank you very, very much for tuning in. Stay safe. And we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. See you soon. Podcast Network.